This isn't being pessimistic. I just think this is the truth. I think that there are no such thing as perfect fathers and mothers. The the people that come up to me and say, my family was perfect, my father and mother was perfect, are in denial. My, My sister... Oh, gosh. Shall I tell this story? Yes, I shall. Uh, because I'm going, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my childhood uh, later in the sermon. And it was quite horrendous. My mother was mentally ill from the time I was four until the time I was 12. Uh, she attempted suicide when I was 12, and I was the one that came into the room and found her. And I thought there was nothing wrong with me. I had no emotions when I thought about those days and what it was like living with that. In and out of the hospital, wondering if she would be institutionalized, that I would lose my mother. Her coming into my room when I was four years old and beginning a five or six year litany of telling my brother and I, who was three at the time, that we would be better off if she was dead and she wanted to kill herself. A four-year-old child thinking my mother could be gone at any, any... And I started counseling my mother not to kill herself at the age of four. And that went on till, till I was 12. My little sister grew up in this environment. And until she was 35 years old, I hope she forgives me for this. I think she will. Um, she has to. It's a message on forgiveness. <laughs> until, until she was 35 years old, she was my idea of the perfect mom. Everything she did was perfect. Her parenting was perfect. Her children were perfect. Her home was perfect. She, had, she held down a, a job. She did this, that, and the other thing. Her life was absolutely perfect. And I looked up to her as one of the best Christians that I knew. When she turned 35, she fell apart. She had a complete nervous breakdown and just collapsed. Nothing was possible anymore. She'd hit the point where she couldn't go on living in denial and she had to face the stuff from her youth. And she did. And she got counseling and went through it and, and came out the other side. What I'm trying to say is that I'm not sure everybody's past is as horrendous as ours was, but you can think you're absolutely fine and you're C-O-P-I-N-G. You're just coping. At some point, the lid comes off and we begin to see what's really going on inside of all of us. And at that point, this message on forgiveness really becomes huge. Now, John, Pastor John and Gary both covered why to forgive, but I'm going to give you a very quick background on why we forgive. Why is it necessary to forgive? Then we're going on to how to forgive. Everyone tells you you're supposed to forgive. Very few people tell you how you go about forgiveness. There are things that really help in obtaining forgiveness, and I learned them with my mom and my dad the hard way, so I'd like you to learn the easy way. So let's look at our first uh, scripture, Matthew 6, verse 14. Now, this is a conditional statement. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Nothing could be more black and white than that. Nothing could be simpler to understand. Mark 11.25 Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, 
Forgive so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. The problem with these verses is that they seem to suggest that God's forgiveness is conditional. But we know from the rest of the Bible, God's forgiveness is not conditional. It is unconditional. That's why we call it grace. Unmerited, unearned favor. So how on the one hand can his forgiveness be unconditional, but it sounds like in these verses something is conditional. And the fact is something is conditional. And here is a little verse that helps us to understand what it is that's conditional. Mark 11.23, two verses back from where we just were. Truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, I have heard countless messages on faith. And they all refer to that verse. And it's, if you just stopped where I just stopped, it would be very simple to understand the kingdom of God like this. When you come to God to ask for blessings, if you come with sufficient faith, you are going to get your blessing. That's what it says, isn't it? And that's how I've heard it taught a million times. What doesn't happen, usually, is going on to the next part of this same passage. Let's finish Jesus' teaching on asking for God in faith. Whenever you stand praying, in other words, whenever you come in faith to ask God for something, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. What's he saying? He's not, it is conditional, he's not saying that your salvation is up for grabs. He's not saying that if you've got something against someone ten minutes before you die and you haven't dealt with it, you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is this. Even when you come to exercise faith, to ask God for good things, you may have a truckload of faith and at the same time a truckload of unforgiveness. If you have a truckload of unforgiveness when you come, even with a truckload of faith, to ask God for something, God is not going to give it to you. And we need to understand the reason why. Every kingdom has a currency. This is a U.S. quarter. This is the currency, part of the currency of the domain, the sovereign nation, the United States. States of America. Every kingdom has a currency. What's the currency in the kingdom of God? It's forgiveness. Everything gets done by forgiveness. Everything. How did you get into the kingdom of God? Forgiveness. How do you go on in the kingdom of God? Every blessing that has ever come to you in your life as a Christian has only come for one reason. You're carrying this coin of forgiveness in your pocket and you can transact life in the kingdom of God because of forgiveness. Are you getting the importance of forgiveness? So you come to God and you say, bless me, bless me, bless me, for I have great faith. And he says, you don't have great currency. Do you hold 
unforgiveness in your heart while you're asking for the fruit of forgiveness. You're asking me for the fruit of forgiveness, but you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. And he looks at you and says, he says, I'd like to help you. Really. But I can't. Because the currency that blesses you is the currency that must flow through you. Do you understand? It's what makes everything work in the kingdom of God. So that's the importance. When we come to ask God for anything, we are to come holding nothing against anyone. Why? Because all of the blessings God has for us come to us as the fruit of forgiveness. And this is an inalterable spiritual law. Why should I forgive? Well, do you you expect to be blessed? Forgive. Now the harder question is, how do I forgive? Forgiveness, listen folks, let's just get real here. Forgiveness is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your Christian life. And if you're saying, no it isn't, then enough badness hasn't happened yet. Because when you get enough badness stacked up, you find out how truly hard it is to forgive. It's the hardest thing you'll ever be called to do as a Christian. So, how do we forgive? Step number one, focus on how you have been forgiven. Luke 6.36 says this, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. What does it mean, just? Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. What's that saying? In the same way. And and, and we find in other places in Scripture, and we don't have time to go into this, but it's really crystal clear. As you have been forgiven, so you forgive. To the measure you have received, release that same measure. As you have been accepted, accept others. All these principles are identical. In the same exact manner as how God has forgiven you, you are to forgive others. Are you with me? Okay, here's the operative question. What shape were you in when God first forgave you? You were at your worst. You were at the very bottom of your scummy human self. You were not particularly likable to God. You might have passed off your act to everybody else, but God saw the real selfish little nasty creature inside. You were at your worst, and yet God, without you asking, this is where it gets really hard, God, without you asking, took initiative and forgave you in advance. So when you came around to asking, he could smile and say, done. You're going, why isn't it a big deal to you? Look what I'm like. Why isn't it a big deal to you? He goes, oh, it was a big deal to me 2,000 years ago. It's not a big deal to me now. He chose to forgive you before you sinned. And we sit around saying, I'll forgive when that guy comes and begs for forgiveness. Jesus forgave you 2,000 years before you ever thought about forgiveness. Do you understand? So when he says, forgive as you've been forgiven, he's saying, you don't sit there and say, I'll be big-hearted about this. I'll forgive when he comes crawling on his hands and knees. Then I'll forgive. No, that's not how God forgave. You forgive because He forgave you everything. When we remember, 
when we remember what we were like, when he forgave us and we had access into his family, when you remember that, how can you not forgive someone else? You didn't deserve to be forgiven, but he gave it to you. Now, this realization helps you to forgive others. It's the principle where Jesus says when you go to correct somebody, to take the little tiny speck out of that guy's eye, take the log out of your own. He's saying if you want to have the right kind of heart to confront someone about their problems, spend a few months pondering your own. Then when you go to him to talk about his little problem that you find so irritable, irritating, you're going to come in the right spirit. You're going to come not pointing the finger with a whole truckload of accusation. You're going to come having reflected on the log in your own eye and your heart is going to be prepared to do Jesus' confrontation. Most of the time we do Mark or Tim or a Mikey confrontation where the flesh rises up to attack somebody's flesh. That's never the way to do confrontation. Jesus' confrontation is you've looked at your own sin first and you know your own brokenness. So when you go, you go gentle and humble and all you want to do is help someone else get free. That's all you want to do. You're not looking for your pound of flesh. You're not looking for your revenge. You want them to get fixed. That's the heart you go with. And you only get that heart by focusing on how He has forgiven you. Number two, seek understanding. What do I mean by that? Seek understanding. Close to the end of Jesus' life on earth, hanging on the cross, what did He say? Forgive them, Father, for they, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In that moment, Jesus had perfect understanding of us. They're like sheep, Lord. Father, they're idiots. No, they're, they're, they're fools, they're crazed, they're idiots, and they've been completely deceived. They can't see any issues clearly. They're under the sway of the enemy. They don't even know what they're doing. If they had any idea what they're doing now, they wouldn't be doing it. Father, forgive them. Is this an excuse? No. He's not saying, Father, ignore what they did. It's just sad that it all turned out this way, really. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll just die here. Just ignore it. What they did wasn't so bad. He's not providing an excuse. When he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, he's talking about the motivation for his hanging on the cross. Do you understand? It's his motivation of compassion for us that put him there. And part of the flow of compassion is the experience of understanding. Understanding brings compassion. It's not an excuse. You don't say what you did was okay, but you say, I understand the circumstances that brought you to doing this. And it doesn't make for an excuse, but it brings compassion to forgive. It helps empower the choice to forgive. Do you understand what I'm saying? We must always seek understanding of why people do the things they do. Otherwise, we won't be able to forgive. The fact is, understanding brings compassion, and compassion empowers forgiveness. Now, I want to get personal for a minute about my father and my mother. I'll try to be graceful about this. 
So my mother was mentally ill. And I lived in this constant fear that she would be institutionalized and I would lose my mother. I was almost 40 years old. Thought everything was fine with my mother. I loved my mother. She was gentle and she was sweet. She loved us. Three people came up to me in a 10-day period in our church, prophetic people. This is the value of prophecy. Three of them came up in a 10-day period. They'd never talked to each other. And they said to me, I had a dream about you. You need to forgive your mother. First one came to me and said, you need to forgive your mother. I said, there's nothing to forgive. I love my mother. It's my father I hated. We'll get to that in a minute. And, and, and I thought, oh, how sad. Somebody, somebody's mistaken prophetic word. A couple of days go by and someone else comes up and says, the Lord spoke to me in my prayer time this morning. You need to forgive your mother. I said, oh, no, you've got it wrong. It's my father I hated. My mother was wonderful. Third person comes a week later. I had a vision of you. I saw a black thing inside your chest. And I asked the Lord what it was. He says, it's your unforgiveness and your anger at your mother. Well, hello, I'm an idiot, okay? I'm driving down the road right after this experience thinking three people, ten days, none of them talk to each other. Okay, they're wrong. Get this. They're wrong. I don't feel anything when I think about my mother. And I think, I've been counseling people for years the ones that don't feel anything about horrible traumatic events in their life are in denial and they're not in touch with anything and they're really sick. I'm thinking, I thought, oh my God. I mean, it was a panic thing. I thought, oh my God, I am the most screwed up person in our church. I did. And I'm leading it. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, I don't know what to do. I said, this pain, this anger is so deeply hidden, so compressed down there, I can't get in touch with it. But I know I'm in trouble. Because no kid could go through what I went through and not have a bunch of stuff down there. So I said to him, I said, uh, Lord, I, I am not going to go hunting for this because it's too deep and I can't get it out and I'll only mess up the operation. But I will not run away. I made him a deal. I said, I will not run away from anyone. I shouldn't have said anyone. I said, I will not run away from anyone who comes to me and says, you need to be fixed and I will help you. One week later, the woman in the church I trusted the least, I'm not kidding, came to me and said, I've had a vision of you. You're sick. You need me. I'm thinking, oh my God, no, I don't trust her. I, I, she's dangerous, she's a lunatic, she's part of the weird prophetic fringe. Oh my God, what am I going to do? She hangs out with people I don't like. And I remembered my vow that I'd made to the Lord. And I said, when do you want to get together? And she said, Tuesday. So I go over to her house and, and I can't describe the whole experience. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever been through. I'm in this deep spiritual state with my eyes closed and all of a sudden... I begin to see a slideshow. And when we were kids, my dad had a 35-millimeter camera. 
and his love was photography, and he would take all sorts of flowers and vacations and beautiful things. We'd project them up on a big screen. And in this slideshow, there were many pictures of my mother that I remember from my youth that my dad took. The slideshow begins with all these pictures of my mother from my youth. And they're great. And I'm looking at thinking, wow, that's cool. I remember those pictures. I remember when we took that picture. I was so many years old. Then all of a sudden, I'm seeing slides of my mother that I'd never seen before. There are. They're pictures of my mother the way she was supposed to be without the mental illness. She's so happy. She's so alive. And I'm watching this one after the other. And I'm realizing this is the way God sees my mother. This is who he sees. This is what he intended. Everything that she was in her brokenness and mental illness, she never chose. The realization of how God saw my mother, it just released love. It just released forgiveness. How can I not forgive her? As in, just absolutely amazing. When I was in my teens, I had this really, really bad relationship with my father. It's awful. I just hated him. One time I'm out at the coast visiting my grandmother, uh, his, his, his mother, and she's got this old box of photographs. Why the, fo- why the photography theme? I don't know. She's got this old box of photographs. And we're looking through, oh, that was the farm in the interior of BC. Oh, there's the barn. And oh, look at the old Ford. You know, it had like Model T's and stuff like that. And this and this. And then she, she shows me this picture. And it's at the side of the barn. And there's this little kid with kind of like a beetle haircut. Of course, the beetles didn't exist then, but obviously they were very poor and they never got haircuts, so his hair's kind of shaggy. And he's holding a 410 shotgun. And he's standing there like he'd just gone out hunting, maybe 11 or 12 years old. And he's standing there beside the garage. And he looks so happy. And he's, and he's such a sweet kid. And I said, who's that? And she said, that's your father. I was just shocked. I mean, this sounds so ridiculous to say. I looked at that picture and I said, he was a kid once. He was a person. He was a person. I know it's not profound for you, but I mean, it was like, wow, my dad wasn't always who he is today. And Pastor John said many times, very few little girls at the age of five sit in their bedroom and say, someday I'd like to grow up to be a drug addict and a prostitute. Very few little boys say, someday I'd like to grow up and kill people and hurt animals and someday I'd like to rob banks. That's not what's in their hearts. Hurt people hurt people. And hurt people hurt people. 
One of the most powerful things you can do in obtaining motivation and power to forgive is to say, God, show me that person the way you see them. Just, Lord, give me some idea. And he will. You'll find your heart changes. How can you not forgive when you have understanding for what went wrong? Number three, make a choice. Make a choice to open your heart to God's forgiveness. Open your heart to God's forgiveness flowing through you. Now, why do I say this? Because I've counseled a lot of people and hit a wall in their forgiveness where we hit a place where they say, what they did to me was so bad, I can't forgive them. And the first number of times I encountered that, I thought, well, that's just an excuse. You just have to suck it up and you just have to find it within you and just say it out loud. You know, even if you don't mean it, just say it into the air, I forgive you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just take the responsibility, doggone it, and just do it. What I started to realize after a few of these unsuccessful attempts at forgiveness, because they sucked it up and, and did it with their mouths, and two days later, nothing had changed. And I'm realizing, this didn't work. It's more than a choice. It's a choice empowered by God. So I tried this one time, I said, and they said, I can't forgive. And I said, yeah, you know what, you can't. And the person looked at me and I said, I don't think you can. I think you honestly, I don't think you can do it. And they, they were happy. They looked at me like I'm off the hook. And I said, but here's, let's try this. I said, let's try this. Would you give Jesus permission to flow his forgiveness through your heart to that person? Will you let him do that through you? Just that. You don't have to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it through you, but you have to let him. Will you release through yourself, through your own heart, the forgiveness of Jesus for that person? And the guy said, yeah, I I think I can do that. He said, do it right now. And he started to do it, and it flowed. And when that was finished, I said, now will you join Jesus in forgiving him? And he said, I can do that. And he did. And I've been using that ever since. Sometimes we need to get over our own flesh and understand forgiveness is a spiritual thing. I need God's help to do it. And if you'll invite Him to let it flow through you, you will soon discover, hey, it's flowing through me. And now I can actually do this. It's like a step almost. Let His forgiveness flow through you. See, a person only has so much forgiveness within their human nature. You only have so much human ability to forgive. But listen, you are connected to an infinite supply of forgiveness, which God will give you if you will let it flow through you to the person who hurt you. Number four. This is is the reason why I was talking to a friend about this last night. This is the reason why a lot of people don't forgive. You've got to understand, forgiveness does not have to equal a complete restoration of the relationship. Do you understand? So many people can't forgive because they think, 
if I forgive, I have to go back to the way it was. And I will not go back to the way it was. Forgiveness does not equal a restoration of the relationship. Forgiveness is unilateral. It's something you do. You do it. You take a unilateral decision to release forgiveness to that person. Between you and God, your accounts are straight. Between you and God, you have forgiven. Done deal. But restoration is unilateral. It isn't just what you decide to have with that person. It's what that person decides to have with you. And if their behavior that was wrong against you has not changed, you don't have to go back to that relationship. God does not send you back to get beat up Are you with me? Restoration depends on the other person changing as well as you changing. Forgiveness is just what you do. You don't have to go back to a husband that beats you. You don't have to go back to an abusive relationship. But you have to forgive. They're two different things. I was talking to my friend uh, about um, Christians in business. Sometimes that's an oxymoron. Like jumbo shrimp. Jumbo shrimp? Christians in business. You use these guys and, you know, you pay them money up front and they come and do 20 minutes worth of work and you never see them again and you're out a few thousand dollars. You've got to forgive them for that, but only a boneheaded idiot would have them come back and do more work. Do you understand? And they've got to seek forgiveness for what they've done. Restoration depends on more than your forgiveness. It depends on the other person changing their behavior. But you still must forgive. Okay, last point, and this is the one I'm most excited about. This last point doesn't really relate to forgiveness directly, but it's really, really important when you're forgiving parents. And I stumbled upon this You know, isn't this great, you guys? Standing in front of you is the biggest emotional, relational screw-up you have ever seen. I can use all my own examples for all this stuff, and they're fresh and big and nasty and ugly. And you can think, my problems are nowhere near as bad as that guy's. This could be easy for me to forgive. And I can tell you, yes, it will. All right, here's here's what I found out the hard way. When faced with an abusive parent, many of us have made inner vows promising to never be like mom or dad. Just everyone, close your eyes for a minute. I want to do a little, just close your eyes so no one sees what's going on, all right? I just want to get a sense of where we're at here. Okay, everyone's eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed because it's a private thing. If you have ever made an inner vow I will not be like him or I will not be like her. Raise your hand right now. Good Lord, people. Hang on. We, all, we need to see this. You need to see this. Okay, keep them up. Come on. Everybody and I got... Look at this. Look at this. Guys, look. Oh, this is going to be good. We tapped into the mother load of nastiness here. <laughs> this is going to be... This. I knew this part of the message was going to be hot. Okay, for all of us... Here's the, here's the deal. Here's what happens. I made an inner vow. I will never be like my father. Ever. And I lived that way till I was over, oh gosh, probably 35. 
almost 40 years old. I was living under this inner vow, and I thought I was doing really well because I wasn't like him. Here's what was going on. After I forgave him, the Lord showed me that when I vowed never to be like my father in his negative behavior, I had unwittingly refused to accept many of the character traits in myself that God intended to bless me with through having that genetic father. Ditto, Mom. Let me run this by you again. Look, you see traits in your dad, mother, whatever, that you don't like. The reason you don't like them is because they're wrong. They are sinful or they are twisted or broken or seriously dysfunctional. Whatever you want to call it, they're inappropriate. That's so postmodern. Your behavior is not wrong. There is no right and wrong. Your behavior is merely inappropriate. As the child tortures the cat. Where was I? God help us all. Traits. So you see something in your father or mother, some trait that you don't like because it's wrong, okay? It's wrong. It's sinful. So you say, I will never be like that. But what you don't understand is your father or mother's expression of that trait was perverse. It was broken. It was damaged. It was sinful. But it was merely a corruption of a good thing God intended within them that you were supposed to receive by virtue of that parent. Hello? Is this making sense? But when you... Say, I will never be like that. You don't just rule out the bad. You also rule out the good. I couldn't understand why I was so passive in relationships with people. Having vowed I would never be the domineering, bullying kind of guy that I thought my father was when I was young, I ruled out all of the strength that was supposed to come to me through him. And as I figured this out, the Lord began showing me things. He began to show me that all these traits I hated were really the misuse or the excessive use of very good traits which God wanted to benefit me through my Father. Do you understand? So look, I took a list. This is really fun. I took every negative trait I could think of in people. And I thought, what is it really the perversion of, or the excess of, or the misuse of, so I know what to bless and receive? Are you ready? Two columns, sin or um, weakness. On the other side, God's intended strength for us. So let's take them one at a time, and I'm going to list the bad thing, and you exercise your imagination and tell me what the bad thing should have been or was intended to be What's it redeemed when it's redeemed in you? All right, anger. Somebody said, how many people said passion? You get your offering back. (laughs) We're going to be broke by the time we're done on this. All right, how about this person is so opinionated and critical? They're always opinionated and critical. I haven't heard it yet. 
Opinionated and critical. They're a lover of truth. They're a lover of truth. Okay? How about this? My mother is so bossy. My mother is so bossy. Leadership. That's what God intended. She messed it up or took it too far. But listen, if you reject your mother's bossiness, you may rule leadership out of your life. Do you really want to rule leadership out of your life? How about this one? Passivity. My dad is so passive. Gentleness and meekness. Right? How about this one? Pride. Confidence. Exactly. Controlling. You're not going to get this. No. Controlling. My mother's always, my mother's always controlling where I go and who I go with. Protective. Protective. Yeah. My mother is smothering. I can't stand it. She just smothers everybody. There's a particular word used for the feminine. Nurture. Nurturing. My mother's smothering. Well, what about nurturing? How about this? My dad's a workaholic. Responsible provider. He's a responsible provider. Here's a good one. Think, think about this. This is a little bit hard, but I think you'll get it. Um, alcohol or drug abuse? <laughs> Consistent? Yeah. yeah, the guy's got a habit, right? Oh, well, at least he's consistent. Sheesh, you're a sick man. You need to look at some of this stuff. Okay, what might it equal? Alcohol or drug abuse? What might be underneath? Maybe I got it wrong, you guys. Sensitivity to pain and the suffering in their lives and the people around them. It's an escape. It's an escape. Life is too painful. But underneath of that, there's a tremendous sensitivity to wounding in oneself and others. How about this? My father is lecturing. He's a teacher. He sees everything through the lens of a teacher. Okay. We have time. Let's apply this. We've got five minutes. Let's apply this. I am going to summarize very quickly. Close your eyes. I'm going to summarize very quickly this message. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that as I summarize this message, the point that strikes our hearts as important, that we need to apply to ourselves and say, yeah, that's what I need to do or that's what I need to understand. I want you to make note of what comes into your heart and into your mind from the Holy Spirit as we look at these points. And then we're going to take a few minutes and apply it. Do I need to focus on how I have been forgiven? Do I need to focus on how God has forgiven me so I can better forgive others? Do I need to seek understanding 
Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Do I need to see them the way God sees them? Do I need to make a choice to open my heart to God's forgiveness flowing through me? And let Him flow through me to forgive. Do I need to understand that forgiveness does not equal restoration of relationship and I don't have to go back in order to forgive? Have I made an inner vow that I will never be like? And have I missed something God wanted to give me? Do I need to renounce that vow and receive the good trait that I've been rejecting. I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to me right now and He's telling me that's what we all need to do first. So let's do that. Holy Spirit, I ask You to show every single person in this room first for them to identify the negative trait that they vowed, I will never be like that. Holy Spirit, show them what it is. Right now, I pray. What was it in the parent they rejected? Now, Lord, show them what you intended for them to receive. Now, take a moment and renounce that inner vow. Just before God say, I renounce that vow... I break its power over my life in the name of Jesus. And right now, I choose to welcome into my personality that positive trait, and I receive it. Holy Spirit, show them what you're giving them what it was intended to be. Receive it. Say, this is who I am. This is what God intended for me. Now I'm going to operate in this. And I'm going to let this flourish in my personality and become everything God intended it to be. Now, some of you said you need to make a choice to open your heart to God's forgiveness flowing through you. Let's do it right now. If that's your issue and you've got someone you haven't forgiven or you're struggling with forgiveness, just close your eyes. Picture them. Picture that person. Now say, Jesus, let your forgiveness flow through my heart. You do it, Lord. You do it. Let it flow. Just let it, just release it. Let His forgiveness flow through you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to show them, show each one of us 
understanding how you see this person. Lord, I know it can take a while. I know it's not an instant revelation in every case, but Holy Spirit, I pray you begin showing us how you see this person. How did they get to be the person that they were? How did these good traits become perverse and broken? God, give us understanding. Receive it. Say yes to that. I want, Lord, I want, I want understanding. I want to know how they became that person. I want compassion for them. I want to see them how you see them. Help me, Lord. Show me because I don't get it. Finally, Holy Spirit, show us how much we've been forgiven for. Jesus, we need this about every six months or so. We need to be refreshed on how much we've been forgiven for. So we're easy with releasing forgiveness. Let that truth come, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, um, we're done. But, there may be... It was a good one, Janet. It was a good one. It was a good one. It was a good one. Now, I really, I I think... Let's just do something. um, Because I think it was really good. I think God really moved. If, if, If any of you sensed within yourselves...